if you have your little bulletin outline there. Follow there, we might get a few of through a few of these. <laughs> and we are moving off from Ephesians 5.32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In the bulletin, there are 11 that we have written down where the words mystery is used. 10 of those have to do with the church. These are things that Previous to the revelation of the church, it wasn't known. But after that, uh, you know, this is something hidden that now is made manifest. That's what the mystery, the word mystery is used in the context that we look at them. And uh, things that the Old Testament saints didn't know about, that we now know about. And, and this um, makes a definite distinction a distinct distinction between Israel and the church when we look at these because to see if the church was Israel then everyone would have known this in, in the Old Testament. They didn't because it was a new thing that God was doing. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. And, and Paul is saying this in different places as we look at the word in, in the context where they're written. And he said there, Let no man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, when we think of a steward, who do we think of? Servant. servant, yeah. A servant. And he said, I'm just a servant. that These things have been revealed to me that I'm going to reveal to or show to you of, of the mysteries of God, stewards. And uh, so Paul said that, and along with the apostles, because not all of them are given by Paul, some are given by John. And so looking at these mysteries, in Romans chapter 16, just back a little bit, Romans 16, and verses 25 and 26, we read, Now to him... That is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but is now when? When Paul got this, when he got the revelations, I believe in Arabia, is now made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. What hadn't happened in the Old Testament, the all nation thing, they were supposed to tell the people about God, the Jews were, but didn't. But here this is specifically going to be sent, this gospel to all the nations. This is the mystery. Um, <clears throat> he says, my gospel. He calls it a revelation of the mystery. Revelation is under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Kept secret since the world was made manifest. And uh, there's a revelation that was promised to Paul at his conversion. And that's written in Acts 26, 16 to 18. And it comprises the mysteries of God. Uh, these mysteries, as I said before, uh, number 11, eight were given by Paul 
and the others, some by Christ and some by the Apostle John, two by John. Um, <clears throat> something that wasn't previously understood. They had a bit of an inkling, the Old Testament fellows, especially those that studied the word and were astute and disciplined. And they said, there's something missing. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. What couldn't they figure out? What was it that they couldn't figure out? It's, it, it says in a particular verse, I haven't got it written down, but it was some. Um, they knew the sufferings of the Messiah. They couldn't figure this out. But they also read about more about not so much the sufferings in the Old Testament, but the, what? the glory. And they said, how does that figure out? <laughs> what is that all about? Uh, looking into it and studying it. But when Paul and the apostles finally got it, <laughs> they, it, just like the jigsaw came together, the pieces of the puzzle were put together uh, through the revelation of these mysteries. Uh, <clears throat> now, these things have been withheld from the knowledge of men until it came time to reveal it. God, you see, the, the revelation that was given, uh, Moses, the first five books, and then as more of the prophets got it, more and more was understood about God himself, about his plan and purposes for mankind and, and different groups of men and so forth. It just naturally, the Bible, as you read through it, naturally divides that way. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you're an historian and you, you look for things, you'd be able to, yep, you could see how it develops. Uh, even if you weren't a Christian, you could see the develop, development of history. And, uh, and, and when we go further than that, because the Bible is God-inspired, we know what's going to happen in the future, <laughs> what's going to develop in a broad sense and some detail at times. Let's pray and ask the Lord to... Uh, Reveal to us the mysteries if we don't already know them. I think we should. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. It's certainly not a mystery to those that want to study it. It wasn't a mystery, although somewhat uh, things were needed to blanks filled in in Old Testament, later Old Testament times. And thank you, Lord, that we have this completed revelation. And Lord, we have that which is perfect, which is come. And we can rely and trust in it to be truly authentic and accurate. Bless the word to our hearts and our time of fellowship together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go to the first mystery we'll look at and we'll find this in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. First Timothy 3 and verse 16. <clears throat> and uh, Remember, we've left from Ephesians chapter 5, and that, and that one will be one of the latter ones. We might not even get to that today, the mystery of the church. But they, many of them, most of them relate to the church. I think 10, 10 of them at least. The last one involves more than the church. Here, chapter 3 and verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. There's a pointed <coughs> sermon in that one verse. But this is the mystery of what? Godliness. What is the mystery of godliness? If you take the first part of after that is mentioned, 
he mentions what? Manifest in the flesh. Yep. We manifest in the, God manifest in the flesh. It's the mystery that God would reveal himself by speaking from heaven to his people. And uh, in the Old Testament, he spoke in a veiled form. You know, and Moses couldn't see him. But in the New Testament, he turns up. He tabernacled with men. He lived amongst us. And the word became flesh. John's Gospel, chapter 1 to 14, is really the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. Who would have thought that God would have done that? He, he turned up in, the Lord Jesus turned up in Old Testament times as the angel of the Lord, as a Christophany, we say, in Old Testament times, like Abraham there, and Abraham didn't quite get it. I think it dawned on him by the time he'd finished and uh, who was it, the uh, Gideon and others that saw the, the, the uh, oh no, we've seen the Lord, we're going to die. That's what most of their response was. But who would have thought that God would have taken on the form of a man, made in the image of man, likeness of man. He, he, <coughs> it was all in the plan and all these things started. Oh, that's what kinsman redeemer means. You know, the, the, the pennies dropped to so many of the saints of the scriptures and that's what that's all about. That's what Psalm 22 is about. That's what Isaiah 53 is about. Huh? The suffering saviour, the one who would take on. Thou, thou Bethlehem Ephrata, huh? though thou be little. And that oh, verse fell into place. I think there's a day coming when there's a lot of things going to happen like that in this world to people who are believing after the church is gone and things start transpiring very quickly, things will be, wow, that's so accurate. <laughs> the scriptures are written for us. And praise God we can see that. But you could read John 1, 1 to 14. Uh, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. That's John 14, verse 9. But you could read the first chapter of John in relation to the mystery of godliness. Praise the Lord for that. God manifest in the flesh, the incarnation. How could he be, you know, we, we look at verses like he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And you start saying, oh. <laughs> he was God. So, you know, he had a bit of a hands up. He had a bit of a leverage of what we do. But no, he didn't. You see, that's a mystery of godliness. He was tempted. If the Bible says he was tempted like we are, we believe it, don't we? And that, that's, that settles, well, it doesn't settle, it's already settled. <laughs> we believe what he said. That, that he was fully human, he set aside his glory. Yes, it wasn't fully manifest on times it was, on occasions at the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. But uh, the deity of the Lord Jesus. And it was so, it was so well done that his brothers, his sisters half-sisters and brothers didn't see it didn't and, and didn't believe him even when he started ministering they said come home you're going to get into big trouble if you keep doing what you're doing remember they said your brother and your mum and you, they're outside they want you to come out they, they want to talk to you <laughs> they want to sort the lord out they thought <laughs> didn't know that he was the son of god and can you imagine th they the family after it was understood the death of Baal and the resurrection they probably the rest of their life they're just shaking their head how could have we missed that 
But it was so veiled that, yep, even they in the house didn't see it. They lived with him, walked with him, talked with him, was taught by him. She hid these things in her heart. She pondered these things. She thought over them. Well, what, what, what does this all mean? <laughs> and uh, fully understood. But she didn't fully because she was outside saying, son, I need to talk to you and tell you a few things. <laughs> That's after he started his ministry and after he's been baptised. Yeah, so it, it's like all of us. We grow in knowledge and understanding. We, we learn. Let's go to the next one. We, uh, the mystery of the divine indwelling. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Do, <laughs> put it, ask the question about the Jews today. Do they believe in the incarnation? No, they don't. They still don't. You see, one God, monotheism. And when you say Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God, they immediately reject you. So they haven't got it yet. That, that it's, I know that they talk about the Spirit, but they don't call him God, as we do understand him to be, the Godhead. Just a thought that come. The mystery of Godlin, I mean the mystery of the divine indwelling, Colossians chapter 1, verses 26. And that's why when, when a Jew... He has to explain, let us make man in our image. How do they get that? <laughs> they can't explain that. The word Elohim is plural, and they can't explain that. And, uh, and when you put that to them, they, they just get frustrated. I, I saw them. <laughs> I wonder why Andrew kept saying Elohim, and he said it real slow. <laughs> so they got the point. <laughs> and they just got more angry. As Dad did, but the son was listening. Colossians, we're going there, verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And this is the mystery, what is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. They didn't have that hope in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God could come upon them, but he also could leave them. Huzzah, Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 51, isn't it? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, said David. But here the mystery of the divine indwelling, hidden from generations, it said there, now may manifest. He calls, the, calls it the mystery of Christ in you. We sing that song. Christ... Uh, Christ liveth in you. Christ liveth in you. Yeah, we should have sung that one tonight. Had to been with it. I would have. But Christ in you. New birth. Jesus began to emphasise that early in his ministry when he was talking to who? Nicodemus. Nicodemus, when he said there, you must be born again. And if you're born again... His spirit is in you. This, the the uh, new birth is a wonderful fact. Union of the divine nature and ours for eternity. Not just for a little time, for eternity. Just as Jesus become one with us by his taking our human nature, so we become one with him 
by taking on the divine nature. And listen to what 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says about this divine indwelling, by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when we're born again, we're partakers of the divine nature, and that develops as we grow in Christ. Through the new birth, it starts and goes on in our life till we go from this, this place. <laughs> and so the mystery of this union is the union of identity with him. He identifies with us. He calls us his children. He, 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 he pleads for us. What, he intercedes the word. He intercedes for us. The Lord Jesus does because we are part of his body. His building, his bride, uh, for eternity. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 and 13. Now, with the, uh, with the outline there in the bulletin, that's just, it's pretty brief. There's a few of the verses. We're not touching all of them. We're touching some different ones, maybe. It's in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. As the body, for as the body is one and have many members, all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and are all been made to drink into one spirit. And so the oneness, the unity of the body, when we become Christians, <coughs> we're in this together. And that word is used many times, isn't it? Together. Togetherness of the saints. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the divine indwelling. And by this know ye, I think Romans tells us, that ye are in him. You have the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you from the word of God. He speaks to you through sermons. He speaks to you in devotions. He, he, when we sin, he, he needles at us and says, you know, gets to your conscience and says, no, you're a child of God. You don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment to come. And these things, and that's Christ in you through his spirit. The next mystery, we'll probably only cover this one as our last one. The third one, the mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles in one body. It's called the church. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> that we've covered in detail some many months ago. Uh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, who's, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Yeah, eyewitnesses, these folk were. <laughs> Some of them. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Oh, you show foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And they're going back to what? Under the law. Made perfect by doing some laws. No, we're keeping some laws. No. It's by faith, Paul was declaring. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, they'd probably lost a lot of things and now they're starting to wonder whether they shouldn't have just stayed like they used to be. 
and, and, and kept their stuff. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so <clears throat> Paul is declaring there, now in, I went to Galatians and pointing out that, but in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1, and Paul is declaring, was declaring to the Galatians there that they're in Christ and why are they wanting to go back under the law. And this cause, and this is what Paul said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given me toward you. How that by revelation he made known unto the, to me the mystery. Jews and Gentiles in the same body and which in few words he said by which ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages is not made known but now is known <laughs> um, unto the sons of men as revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body so the mystery there in verse 6 is it's um Explain that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. Now, <laughs> if you're a Jewish person and you heard this, what would your reaction be? <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> I'm not related to a dog. <laughs> I'm not going to be tied with anything like that. They eat pigs. How, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yep. So, uh, someone said it's almost impossible to overestimate the bitter race hatred which existed in Christ's day between Jew and Gentile. You see, the Gentiles were ruling over the Jews. And that made it a lot harder for the Jews, too. They could say, we are God's chosen people, why are we not in charge? Well, you drop the ball, that's why you're not in charge. <laughs> but they wouldn't recognise their sin of doing that. Um, <clears throat> it was a very... Paul called it something in another portion of scripture. He called it a wall, didn't he? A petition between us and you. But between Gentile and or Jew, as he was, and the Gentiles between us, and uh, <clears throat> and looked upon the Gentiles as dogs. Can we have we got another example of an apostle that had a tr struggle with this as well? Peter, <laughs> remember, he even even when he got a revelation, he's dozing on the roof, and he got the revelation of the sheep, the animals in it. And uh, he said, no. He, he said to God, Peter had a bit of a bold streak in him, didn't he? No, <laughs> no, no. I've never eaten anything dirty. I'm not going to now start eating. And God was trying to teach him something. And then when he went down to Joppa, I mean, from Joppa, up to visit Cornelius, wasn't it, and those guys, and um, he said, he was given testimony afterward to Jews, some Jews. They said, what are you doing, Peter? Why are you going to them people? We have nothing to do with them. We don't even go to the half-castes, the Samaritans. We have nothing to do with anyone that's compromised. 
And Peter said, well, look, look, it was God. I <laughs> he started blaming God. It was too. He showed me and I went down there and, and the Holy Spirit fell on them just like he fell on us at Pentecost. He, he said, I couldn't deny it. It happened. And uh, because they were putting him in a corner and saying, what are you up to, Peter? You shouldn't be mixing with. So the early church was Jewish, pretty Jewish and some Gentiles, but slowly there's more Gentiles. And the apostles had to get the point that it was broken down, the wall of petition. Everybody. Does it say that in Scripture? Everybody's welcome? It does. <laughs> Whosoever. That's the, the word, isn't it? Over and over it's used in Scripture. Um, <clears throat> Inclusive of all people that want to come. And this is, the, this is this revelation that we have here, the mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles, which was unheard of, unthought of, unspeakable. Let's not go there in, in that time. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. First Peter 2 and 17. Honour all men. Oh, Peter, a Jew. Honour all men. Love the brotherhood. The petition of all has come, has come down. Love the brotherhood. Paul, uh, Peter's finally getting it. After he'd been directly given it by the Lord, after being questioned by the Jews, after he went to Antioch and fellowship with Paul and all the other Gentiles and he, 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 he thought that was wonderful when it was happening, but until he saw the Jews walking up the road from Jerusalem, and he oh, no, why did you have to turn up? <laughs> I was having a good time until you turned up. Now my conscience is really getting to me, and I'll separate myself from these Jewish people and the, <laughs> the little pork laid out on the table and the eels and the fish without scales and... <laughs> The animals without hoofs and the ones that didn't chew the cud, they were all there spread out and they were having a wonderful feast and then the Jews were... I wonder if Peter started grabbing that, that, that the, all the food wasn't allowed by the Jews at that time and trying to throw it in the bin. <laughs> the Jews are coming, let's get rid of it. He still didn't get it, did he? The wall has broken down. We can, we can fellowship together and we can have a, a good time. Aren't we? Shouldn't we be thankful as... Gentiles, <laughs> that that's gone. We, it, it doesn't sort of really affect us now, does it? it it's not, it, it does in the effect of it for over 2,000 years, but the, the real hard-hitting time was back in the early church when the change was happening. But now we just take it for granted. We're part of the church. You know, but you go over to Israel and you'll see that yeah, there'll be some Jews that treat you like, there's a, there's a wall here. There's a wall here. You know, the, the court of the Gentiles, even in the Old Testament, Paul got into trouble when he took, they thought, Timothy into the, the temple and there was an uproar because of that. So the, their mindset was taking time to change. Uh, <clears throat> there's a new body. It's called the church. You see, this is why the church was not in the Old Testament. And some try to tie the church and put them together. There is a distinction. There really is a difference. Uh -huh. There really is a difference. I haven't just read it lately. I've read it before. In comparison of the covenant and dispensational theology, 
You see, just looking at this, there is a difference between Old and New Testament. These mysteries weren't known, now they are. They're, all, they're known. Um, <clears throat> that's Randall Charles, he's a, from Friends of Israel. Um, <clears throat> there's a difference now between, the difference was, the wall has been broken down, but that <laughs> there will be a difference in time to come too. It'll be brought about when the millennium starts. In this world, the Jewish people will lead spiritually. They will lead. And if you don't go over to Jerusalem, the Gentile nations don't, drought. That's it. That's the promise. Um, and the Lord, that distinction will be there. The saints of the church age will already be glorified. The bride will be complete. So we're not talking about that, that then in that time so the brotherhood we call each other brother and sister don't we because and we can we can call it uh, when andrew comes when you come andrew he's probably not listening he's busy up there but when he comes we call him what brother andrew he's jew but brother andrew and there's no difference um so we maybe you can take a peek at the others before we get there and get some understanding yourself as you look at the other what seven Seven or eight mysteries that are still, still in the pipeline. We didn't get to the one from Ephesians. That's, let's see, number 11, I think. 10, number 10. The mystery of the church as the bride of Christ. This is a great mystery, he said, but I speak concerning Christ and the church after he just talked about the husband and wife and the relationship between Christ and the church.